Not running your business on NetSuite is like trying to sync a putt with a cap pulled over your eyes. NetSuite by Oracle is the number one cloud financial system, giving you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, budgeting, and more all in one place. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 31,000 businesses already use NetSuite. This summer, NetSuite has a special financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com go. netsuite.com go. G'day everyone, Lauren Kress, the business scientist here. Uh, I want to start off by wishing you a very Merry Christmas, a bit of a weird Christmas this year. And I'd also like to take a moment to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. I pay my respects to Elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples living and working on the land today. It's been a weird year. It's been a fucking weird year. And (laughs) just to top it all off, just before Christmas, I know UK is the UK is in a really strict lockdown. Uh, where I am is is classified as a hotspot, even though I'm not in Sydney. It's part of Greater Sydney. Um, we've been sort of the borders have all been closed off, so not sure how we're going to move to Queensland, but uh, that's going to happen. And uh, yeah, wow, like just it's hard. What a year! So I don't want to harp on about it too much, except to say that. Uh, I hope that this podcast provides a bit of entertainment for you for a little bit. Uh, If you're like me and you're taking some time off, uh, think about how you're going to use that to your advantage. So for me, you know, I want to make sure that I don't just like sink into uh, playing heaps of chess and not actually doing anything else, (laughs) which I have a tendency to do when I have lots of time off. So I've like kind of been looking at I've actually I've been reading a great book I've been reading Atomic Habits when I say reading I mean listening to the audiobook version nearly finished that highly highly recommend checking that out so I'm thinking about how do I use this time off which is going to be pretty quiet it's going to be a pretty quiet Christmas and New Year in January so how am I going to use this time off to establish some habits that I want in my life um so that would be my recommendation for if you're looking for to, to use this time productively, um, maybe have a think about that. How can you establish and set yourself up for 2021 uh, given that holiday plans, I know for a lot of people in New South Wales anyway, and I know a lot of people listen from New South Wales, uh, are a little bit in, uh, it's a little bit of chaos. It's a little bit of chaos. So, um, yeah, I mean, all we can do is is do the best we can. So, uh, yeah, that I'm, I'm reading that I'm planning on, I actually just finished my book plan. Uh, I, I was going to do, so I've been sitting on this book. I've talked about it on the show before. I've been sitting on this book for about like two, almost exactly two years coming up to two year anniversary as in paid for it, paid to publish it was like, yep, I'm committing to this. I'm going to do this. And then was just like, how the fuck do I get started with this? I don't know what to do. And you know, as a lot of people listening to this know, I am someone who is pretty, uh, 
I'm someone who's pretty prolific. Like I can create a lot of content and I've actually got some really, really good habits around creating video content and podcast content and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to writing, writing is just like this whole other kettle of fish for me. And I, I think what happens, I think what happens with writing, just connecting it with what I'm learning in Atomic Habits is that I push myself too hard too quickly so I sit down and I go, right, I'm going to do three hours of writing and I do that. And then I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that for the next couple of weeks because that was full on. You know, we're talking like I get so absorbed into what I'm writing that I don't even go and have a bathroom break. So that's a problem. Um, anyway, I'm going to waffle on a little bit and then I will actually introduce what the show is about. But I just wanted to kick off this show by just sort of saying, yeah, it's Christmas, it's fucked, things are weird and we, we all just have to do the best we can, right? I think that uh, for me, I'm just, I'm just really trying to use this time wisely. So back to the book. <laughs> Basically, uh, so, so I, I kind of was struggling for a long time. I was going to call the book Make Your Mark and then I realised there's another book already called Make Your Mark and it's actually kind of similar to what I wanted to write about. So I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. And then um, what was the other thing I was going to, oh, I was going to call it business, uh, the business scientist, but I just was like, wow, that's like, that just made me feel like an egomaniac. So I was like, no, I can't do that. And then, uh, then the, in the most latest iteration, which was very much inspired by Austin Cleon, who I'm a massive fan of. He's like this amazing creative out of Austin, Texas. And uh, he talked about writing his book kind of like, uh, he wanted it to feel like listening to an album. And when you look at his book, so he's written Still Like an Artist, he's written uh, Show Your Work, he's written another one, um, the name isn't coming to me, I haven't read the third one yet, but, well, actually he's written four books, but his books are so unique and he was like, instead of sharing one idea, I want to share like a hundred ideas in my book. And I was like, oh, I love that, that's that's so up my alley and that's why I like doing video content because I'm like I can just do a little piece of video little piece of video I can do a little video piece and then be like great that's done now I'm going to do another one I'm going to share another idea and I don't have to harp on about the same idea forever which relates to what we're talking about today which I'll come to which I will I promise uh but so where I got to with the idea is I was like, I want to do something around business science. I want to do something about experimentation. I'm really starting to consolidate my messaging and my story around what I'm what I'm sort of bringing to the world and what I want to offer. And this interview today, see what it did there, with Bill Sherman is all about that. It's about how to bring your ideas to life, how to leverage your ideas. So awesome, awesome episode awesome, awesome interview. Love chatting with Bill. Uh, he is the podcast host of Leveraging Thought Leadership and he's the COO and Thought Leadership Practice Lead at Thought Leadership Leverage. And it's so interesting to be sharing this episode, which I, I wrote down and, and picked out a while ago. So this was part of the plan. But then right at the moment, I'm actually going through this stuff myself and thinking about how do I really consolidate my ideas and how do I use my ideas? And I'd encourage you to think about that as well. So we're going to talk about lots of things. We're going to talk about the difference between building a business and building a personal brand and then leveraging thought leadership. What is thought leadership? How does it work? There's some really great 
frameworks and tools that Bill shares here. I'll include all the links and things to his profile and his website and all that kind of stuff in the show notes. But just before we get onto that, let me tell you what my book is actually going to be about. (laughs) So (laughs) I was throwing around all these ideas and, you know, I always come back to science. I always come back to experimentation and I always come back to sort of giving things a go, which I feel like is a very Aussie thing. Like there's this thing what we say in Australia, like you give someone a fair go, you know, just give, give them a go with that. Let them have a try, let them have a shot. And that's how I kind of think about entrepreneurship and business, like have a go, like you're going to make mistakes, but just have a go. Uh, see, see how you like it, try it on. And so I was thinking about that and thinking about, you know, the kind of my, my branding around science and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, I want to make a book that's all about experiments that you can use to grow your brand and grow your business, but also experiments that you can use to discover more about yourself, which is where I'm, I'm really focusing more and more energy on because uh, I'm studying counseling now and I'm getting really into that and just how, and I've always, I mean, I studied psychology. I've always been really interested in human behavior and how we live our best life. So what this book is, is basically experiments to help you find that, to help you figure that out by understanding the the experiment frameworks that you can use and then actually giving you experiments you can run to discover more about yourself, discover more about your story, discover more about your market, your product, your sales, all that kind of stuff. So the initial title was going to be 99 Experiments to Succeed in Business and then when I actually did the maths and worked out the content, I don't think I'm going to fit 99 in. So the working title right now is 45 Experiments to Succeed in Business and I'm going to write it in January. That's what's happening in January. So I'm excited about it. I'm really excited to give that give that a go, give that a crack. And um, at the same time, I'll be continuing to do my counselling stuff and I'm kind of grateful that I have something to sink my teeth into while I don't really have a home anymore and <laughs> my husband will be up in Queensland quarantining most likely and I just you know there's all this uncertainty so I'm kind of like I'm going to come back to what's within my control what can I enjoy doing and I'm really really excited to be working on this book uh, and I've just been having a lot of fun kind of working out what those experiments are I've written I think about 30 out of the 45 experiment ideas down uh and yeah I'm I'm really excited about that so anyway enough of my waffling let's get on to the main part of the show like I said it's with Bill Sherman go check Bill out go check out his podcast awesome awesome guy so much great advice here and you can find out more about Bill in the show notes all right there might be a quick ad break here and then we'll get on to the main part of the episode Progressive presents Married to Your Home. I'm disgusting. Oh, house, don't say that. You could live someplace so much better than me. That's not true. Oh, yeah? Look at these uneven stairs. Gross. House, you know I don't care. Ugh, and the squeaky door hinge. I think it's cute. No matter how much you already love your house, you'll love it more knowing you could save big bundling your home and auto with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. 
Geico presents Daily Affirmations. Repeat after me. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts create our reality. Our thoughts create our reality. We're thinking Geico offers claim service 24-7 with personalized attention from an assigned team. Geico offers claim service? Um, I-, I wasn't thinking that. We think it and it becomes our reality. So, uh, what about washboard abs? Let's give it a go. Think really hard. Okay, abs, abs, abs. Yep, abs. keep thinking. To manifest more Geico in your life, go to geico.com. G'day everyone, Lauren Kress, the business scientist here. We're talking about my absolute favorite topic today and I hope you enjoy it too. I'm so excited to have Bill Sherman here who is a thought leadership expert. Bill, to start with, tell us a little bit about you and what you do. So I wind up helping individuals and organizations take their ideas to scale and create impact. Different people and different organizations measure it different ways, but at the heart of what I do, it's about taking ideas to scale. So I love this concept. Like when I saw that you wrote this, I got super excited. Like I was saying to you just before the show, right? I was like, yes, because so we're get, getting bombarded, I think. We're getting bombarded with these messages about like scale your business, scale your business, scale your business. And it's all about seems to be very much focused on scale to seven figures, scale to eight figures. And I'm like, you know what? For a lot of people, that isn't particularly inspiring. Like that's just like money, right? Okay, money. Mm-hmm. Cool. But once we've got money, like why are we, what are we trying to actually build? So tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that. Like what, what, what does it mean to scale an idea to you? So let's start with the simplest sort of expression of that. An idea starts in between someone's ears, right? It's in a person's head. And whether you're working independently on your own or you're part of an organization, that idea, if it's going to create impact beyond just what's in your immediate reach, has to be adopted by other people. They have to hear it. They have to engage with it. And ultimately, they have to act in some way. So what I think about thought leadership, I'm looking at helping people get over what I call content insecurity, which is that hesitation of, oh, I've got an idea, but it's not baked well enough. It's not ready to put out there. And a lot of people hesitate. For example, on LinkedIn, a lot of people will say, yeah, there are a lot of people who post, I'm not one of them, right? Because I don't know what to say. But even that, I mean, I've worked with clients who have been top tier business school academics or CEOs running an organization or authors of best selling books. And one of the things that I've seen from the very top of the thought leadership field on down is almost everyone suffers from content insecurity, different degrees and at different times. But I've seen people who have been wildly successful with their ideas still wonder, are they good enough? Yeah. Wow. Isn't that, I mean, I think that's really nice for a lot of us to hear in a way like, okay, it is human for me to have this, like that wording too, content insecurity. You know, why, why do you think like people with these great ideas, like that, you know, we might go like, okay, let's say someone like Renee Brown or Steve Jobs, like people that we know, like household names, you go, wow, that person, just brilliant ideas, like brilliant execution. Like, do those people feel like that too? And and why does that happen? So of the two that you named, I cannot speak from personal 
um, knowledge. However, what I would say is many people similar to them have at some times. And I think part of it is the smarter you are, the more vulnerable you are to not only imposter syndrome, but content, content insecurity. They're cousins, right? You know how much it is that you don't know. And you can see the gaps in that potential communication, the idea you're trying to say. And so what you have to do, I think, is make a pivot and realize there's an opportunity in thought leadership to engage a community and say, here's what I'm thinking. It may not be perfect yet, but let me put this out there. Let me get feedback to make the idea sharper. Yeah, such a great point. And I think like, you know, the other thing that I see for, for a lot of, like we've we've talked about Dunning, the Dunning-Kruger effect quite a bit on the show and mm-hmm. how we do have this cognitive bias, you know, where the the more we know often the, the more we don't know exactly like what you said, where if you know a little bit, you might kind of put yourself out there. And one of the frustrations that I see for a lot of people when it comes to personal branding and, and almost like I kind of um, talk about it from that, perspective of you need to change your mindset because what happens is is smart people sit there and they see people who they're like wait this person's promoting all this stuff that actually isn't even true that actually isn't even that great they're misleading people it's not that simple like it's more complicated (laughs) they kind of get frustrated because like why is that person making all this money having all this impact going on all the news shows talking about all this stuff when actually I know more than them like do you see that happening quite a bit Yeah. And let me sort of separate. There's two different parts. There's thought leadership. There's the idea there and with the content and the way that you're trying to communicate it. That idea, thought leadership, if it's just an idea on your own and you've written it down, you have moleskins and manuscripts full of fantastic ideas, you still haven't created impact. Mm. Impact is the domain of leverage and leverage allows you to take either an okay idea to great scale. But if you have a great idea and weak leverage, it won't go anywhere, right? And so you have to understand how do you create leverage with the idea? I think a lot of people make the assumption that a good idea will travel on its own and reach scale on its own. And that's not true. Mm. Good Good leverage is what makes the difference on thought leadership. Yeah, that's, that's a really great point. Cause it's like, I mean, so if you had the option between the two, it's almost like you're saying you'd be better off with a mediocre idea and a good strategy to get it out to market than a good idea with like a no strategy to get it out there. Right. Well, and again, I'm talking in terms of impact, right? And impact could be, do you want to monetize your idea? Do you want people to change how they think and act Or do you want to build a relationship, right? If you have good leverage, all of those become possible, even with an average idea. But if you lack leverage, it doesn't matter if you've got a brilliant idea that the world absolutely needs. And so impact and ideas are closely related, but you have to separate them apart. You can't can't just rely on one without the other. So how much, I mean, I'm really curious, like, because you've been in this area for such a long time, right? Like, 
you're seeing lots of people go through these transformations of having these great ideas and then actually being able to help them make an impact with it. So can you talk us through a little bit like some of those like things that, ha- I mean, without divulging any information that, that um, you know, you, you can't, but like people kind of, have, have you seen people sitting on ideas for like 20 years that are actually really big game changers and things like that? Yeah, so if we think about content insecurity, I can think of people who have worked on a book for 10 years, right? Almost as a full focus, you know, day after day grinding on it, doing the research, putting it together. And then it it comes out almost as this capstone of this research journey for the person. But since they haven't brought anyone along the journey with them, all of a sudden they're 10 years into the future and everyone's reading page one of the book and going, wow, this is fresh and different. And so when the author is saying, finally, I've gotten it out of my head, everybody else is going, oh, that's fascinating. Tell me more. Right. And so there's this tension. I think the other thing that I would say is a lot of people fall into the field of thought leadership accidentally. They didn't go to school for it. In fact, there are very few places you can do anything and get a degree for something like this. And so it's a second or a third career, and they stumble into it from whatever field they were in. Maybe they've written an article, or maybe they gave a speech somewhere, and then it accelerates, and they get asked to do more and more. And it's very common for people to wake up a few years into active thought leadership and say, how did I get here? What am I doing? And how do I know if I'm doing it right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of as well, like, you know, when it comes to sort of iterating ideas, right. When it comes to actually like, I've got this great idea and, you know, you're talking about, you know, the person who goes into their writing shed for 10 years and kind of comes out with mm-hmm. a, with like, here's my, here's my thing. And people are just kind of starting to cotton onto it. But, you know, also, do you think there's value in like, like what's your thoughts on putting content out there? That's like 80% there. That's not like your best content with the perfect message, but it's like, this is pretty good. And this is what I want to say. Like, do you think that's the right thing to kind of do? Absolutely. Um, I think it's necessary And I think there's a great opportunity to use social media tools such as LinkedIn to put an idea that's 60, 70, 80% of the way there and invite people to comment, give feedback and help you sharpen it. Um, Thought leadership isn't a solo activity anymore. With the rise of social, it's a community activity. And it's not one-way communication where you're just bringing your enlightenment to the masses, you have to engage in a conversation that the people that you're trying to reach, you've got to listen to what they're already talking about. You've got to respond to what they're talking about. And you can also share some of the ideas that you have. And so I would absolutely encourage people build a community of people who are interested in ideas that you're interested in put them out there and hear how they respond. Love your critic. Mm, Yeah. One of the things that I've been finding is that 
like, cause I, I don't do polished content, right. It's just not even my brand. Like, I'm just like, not interested in it, but I used to be a perfectionist, which is exactly why I was like, I don't want to go down that path. Cause I will destroy myself. If I try to make this, this perfect florist, uh, florist block, just quickly shout out. said thought leadership, a community activity. That is a great statement. I agree. I agree. I think it actually made me think of like, as well, what, what's the difference between leadership and thought leadership in your opinion, Bill? Because like, you know, often when we're talking about leadership, we're talking about motivating people with story, with narrative to take action. And with thought leadership, we're talking about ideas, but do you see them as separate things or do you see them as sort of like coexisting? So it, it's an interesting question. And it also goes to the term of what is thought leadership, right? Mm -hmm. One of the answers that I'll use for what is thought leadership is it's a process you use to peer around corners, to look into the future, to either see a risk or an opportunity, and then bring those insights back to to a certain group of people. Those could be the employees in your organization, customers, clients, it could be public policy, advocacy. Um, you're trying to change how people think and how they act and what they prioritize, right? And so in many ways, there's a resonance of that within leadership, right? It is adjacent to it in that leadership is also often helping to orchestrate a vision for the future and get people to work towards it. This is maybe a little bit further out sometimes in time frame. Mm-hmm. I've heard plenty of people describe thought leadership as three years, five years, and 10 years on an organizational level. But there are also times when you're trying to reach an individual, when all you're trying to do is help them build a skill that will help them be more successful tomorrow. So I think they're deeply connected. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Floris also said, is thought leadership just about peering into the future or discussing existing concepts or providing knowledge to those who are open to listen? What's your thoughts on that, Bill? So it's a combination. The first part is you have to have a vision of a future or a possible future, right? And then the conversations that happen from that, it's not just your opinion, but it's also saying, okay, where are you trying to go to? Here are things and opportunities. And I can give some examples of that, right? So you may have people who are looking to be a better leader or better at strategy or better at communications. All of those have, or public speaking, all of those have experts who have built thought leadership in that area and they've made it very applied. It's not just heady and esoteric there are actionable things that you can do starting today to reach them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what I was going to say before, but I think where I'm feeling myself getting pulled back to is like, I've talked about this on the show before. Like, I think there's a lot of buried treasure out there. I think there's a lot of people that have this great stuff that they want to say. And, you know, I think about my journey as an entrepreneur and as a podcaster and stuff. And I'm like, I remember getting to this point where I felt like I have to put this stuff out there. It's a compulsion. It's not mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? I was like, mm-hmm. this isn't Absolutely. a choice. 
So do you kind of see that happen to people? And and why does that happen? Like, uh, you know, how can we kind of leave people with a bit of inspiration to go, you know what, if I'm not putting stuff out there, I need, I'd really like to inspire people who have great ideas to actually put them out there. All right, guys, we'll get back to the main part of the episode in just a tick. But just a reminder that this podcast is independent. It's run by me. I make content that I think will be useful for you to grow your brand and your business. And the idea is basically like, if you can afford it, please consider paying me for the work I'm doing on this. I've decided for 2021, this will be a once a week show. So you're going to get one podcast episode every week. It might be an interview. It might be a mindset podcast. It might be a seen and heard episode where I sort of live stream. It's going to be a little bit more mixed up each week, Um, but you're still going to get four episodes a month, which is still pretty good, (laughs) still quite a lot of work. So for the price of a cup of coffee once a month, essentially you get all of the content I've already created plus all the content I create moving forward, which I think is a pretty good deal. But if you can't afford it, if you can't afford to buy me a cup of coffee once a month, you can listen for free. I'm not going to close this off and gate this content. I will have other content that I create that's exclusively for members only, but this podcast will always be free for you to listen to. Uh, But anything you can do to support me and the work I'm doing, really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to do that, head over to Kofi. It's ko-fi.com forward slash Lauren Cress. All right, I'll let you get back to the main part of the show. So I've seen a, a few different variants on that, right? People who will put stuff up constantly, like you said, even if it's not in perfect polished form, but they want to get the ideas out there. They're party, they're eager to be part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Then there are other people who I would describe as thought leadership hoarders, if you go into their intellectual attic, for example, they've got lots of drafts of things they were working on, but never either got finished or even shared or published. And published doesn't mean in a book, it could mean press the go button on LinkedIn or any social media, right? So I think one of the things that happens is you have a lot of people who have an urge to create and to sort of do sense-making around their insights and their expertise. And then the question is, is that an activity that they're just journaling somewhere for themselves or are they trying to draw others into a conversation as well? Mm. Yeah, because I feel like for me, it's actually, it's so interesting. So my, my husband's a doctor and we have this conversation all the time because he's quite creative, but he doesn't like identify as creative. He has all these great ideas and discussions, but he'll, he'll have like personal one-on-one discussions with people, but he has like no social media. He's not out there at all. And I'm like, I just don't get how you cannot put stuff out there. Like, don't you feel like you have to? <laughs> and I'm like, what is that? What is that drive? And I wonder if part of it is like, I think, you know, for me, I kind of sit there and go like, I, yeah, I want the feedback. Cause, cause like the thing is, is if it's like just in my head, then like, it's not going to, cause I'm only one brain, right. I might have a relatively good brain. I feel pretty lucky to have the brain I have, but it's, I mean, two heads are better than one, like that kind of thing, you know, but is, is that thought leadership is like having conversation, the same thing? Is that different? Are we, are we doing something different there? Like, do you know what I mean? So 
I use the term thought leadership stances, right? And with a stance, you could be leading a conversation or you could be responding to a conversation, okay? So think of that as an x-axis. One side is leading, the other is responding. Then on the y-axis, you've got timely and then you've got profound, right? And so you can do thought leadership in any of those four quadrants. You can do something that's leading and timely. You can do something responding and profound, like an academic sort of research or something like that. And really, you just have to be aware of which quadrants you're in. So for example, one of the things that I saw from a thought leadership perspective early in 2020, as COVID start to hit, individuals and organizations took whatever their plan was for thought leadership, sort of hit the pause button. And there was a period of about four weeks where everyone was being attempting to be timely because they didn't know what to say. Sometimes they were leading the conversation. Sometimes they were responding to it. But a lot of people were looking to say, how does my area of expertise, my knowledge relate to this thing that is going on among all of us, right? And there was a time where for many people who are active in thought leadership, rather than just starting out, even people who have been in 15, 20 years, their stance changed almost overnight when COVID hit. Yeah. I really like those quadrants. I'd never had thought about that or heard about that. That's so interesting. So it's like you can be these different, a different type of thought leader and your way of doing it might be different to someone else's and that's, that's okay. Absolutely. And you can change your stance over time, right? So whether it's in sports, you're leading one way or the other, depending on where you think the ball is going, same sort of thing. You want to, in taking an idea to scale, if your message wasn't going to be received, it was going to be overwhelmed and drowned out because that's not what people are listening to. Yeah, you can continue to put content out there that no one's listening to, or you can change your stance. Mm -hmm. I want to like kind of, there's two directions I kind of want to take this conversation. So absolutely. One is I want to ask you a little bit about some of the common mistakes people make because I think that's part of the fear as well. It's like, what if I put something out there? You know, you see these horror stories on Twitter, like someone put something out there, it got like misinterpreted and next thing like the world hates you, Mm -hmm. that that kind of side of it. But the other thing I also want to ask you about is for people who are trying to figure out how to become a thought leader, some tips about that. So maybe let's start with the mistakes What are some things that we should avoid doing? You know, if we're kind of putting stuff out there and we're trying to be part of the conversation or we are part of the conversation, what do we need to be cautious of? So in being part of the conversation, you need to make sure you're talking to people respectfully, obviously. Um, I think one of the things that you mentioned is good intent goes so far, but also then you have to have some respect. Now, Thought leadership on its own can be a disruptive idea, but there's a difference between debating an idea and challenging a person, right? And making it personal, right? And so that sort of respect, I think, is fundamental. The second thing that I would say in mistakes is not publishing. I think that's one of the (laughs) biggest ones. 
is if you don't put ideas out there, if you don't open yourself up to feedback, you'll never polish your ideas more than you just sitting and doodling in a notebook. And then the third thing is to treat perfect as the only level of thought leadership accessible. And so on that, we've talked about this, get the idea out there. Even if you preface it of, here's something I've been chewing on or I've been thinking about. I see something here, but I don't have the answers. And I segmented in terms of content formats between the short form and quick. So a short form 60 second video, a tweet, a quick post on LinkedIn, you can throw out these works in progress right away. And you can say, hey, I think there are seven elements on this topic. What do you think? Did I miss something? Are these the same? But if you come out, if you're, say, Stephen Covey, when he wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, if two years later he came back and said, whoops, there are really only six habits, everyone would have gone, wait, you wrote a book a couple years ago that said there were seven habits. So the digital media allow you to explore, polish, debate, discuss in a way than, you know, doing a 5,000 copy print run of a book. Mm, yeah, I love that. Love that. It's it's actually like before I ask you about the tips, like I was just thinking for me, you know, I kind of committed to writing a book which started my podcast series because <laughs> I was like, wait, what am I actually writing? Pay for it. I was like, yep, I'm going to do this, committed to it. And then was like, I need to go do a podcast now because actually I don't ha- I haven't fleshed these ideas out in a way that I'd be happy enough to go. This is now forever out there as, I mean, you know, you can kind of change it or, but you got to do, you're right. Like books, it kind of also feels tomey, you know, it feels mm-hmm. like now here's all my knowledge and I learn you know, you can put it on your desk and like, so it's, it's such a good point. It actually makes me think of Austin Cleon's book, um, Show Your Work, where he's talking about like you need to iterate, you need to put stuff out there. But also the other thing that I think is so important about that is it actually becomes part of the story. Like that point you mentioned before about like if you've got that, you know, book that you're working on for 10 years, no one's on the journey with you where if you put stuff out there. So do you see that as a brand building exercise in of itself? Absolutely. Um, And what I would say is there's a distinction. And let me draw a distinction between, say, personal branding and thought leadership. And we've heard about personal branding for years and years, right? Personal branding winds up being characteristics about you. It might be what you know, but it also could be your work style. You're collaborative. You're timely. You're funny, right? You build a reputation. I think of personal branding as putting the person uh, in the spotlight on stage. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Thought leadership puts the ideas in the spotlight on stage. And sometimes when you start out in thought leadership, you wind up being the roadie for your ideas. You're lugging <laughs> your ideas from place to place, unpacking them, delivering them and that. But thought leadership is that commitment to putting the ideas in the spotlight, not you. Because I've seen so many folks over the years, whether they've been in professional speaking or consultants, they'll come to me and say, Bill, 
So people love my ideas, but I want to be at home more. I want to be with my family. I don't want to spend as many days on the road, right? And so if you build a personal brand around your ideas, then you have to be in the room. Yeah. That's why thought leadership matters. Yeah. Interesting. Love that. Uh, Flores just asked another question. So thanks for the questions, by the way, Flores. I I like this. It's like we're having a three-way chat. Uh, Is thought leadership then stating opinions or triggering people to think and share opinions? So it can be, okay, in terms of an opinion. I'll give an example. So there's a convening power that happens within thought leadership. You can get people to talk about a topic that you don't feel is getting the attention it deserves or a perspective within a topic. And there's a difference between being stubborn, obstinate, and rude, back to the mistakes, versus inviting a conversation and getting people to share their perspectives. Maybe they don't see leadership the same way that you do, or maybe they, well, here's a good example. So a friend of mine, Shannon Paulson, Shannon just had a book published last week by Harvard Business Press. And so, (laughs) yeah, so her book is The Grit Factor. Um, about leadership in one of the most male-dominated organizations in the world, Mm -hmm. the U.S. military, right? And so the book tells the story of leadership through the story and examples of women. It's not a narrative book, but it's exploring the concept of leadership through women who were in the US military and rose to general officer or did other amazing accomplishments. And Shannon herself was one of the first female Apache helicopter pilots, right? And so how, how do you create that communication to the next generation of women where they were breaking, you know, norms and standards that had been around for ages and not having role models. And so creating that narrative on leadership for the next generation. And I think that's a powerful tool in terms of capturing not only the stories of others, but then inviting the conversation and saying, what happens if you have a leadership book that instead of telling stories about men, all the stories are about women? Oh, I love that. Sounds like a fantastic book. Sounds like a, a, a it's book a great that I would read. love to grab, grab a copy of. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So we've got to finish up in a sec, but I really do want to get, uh, you know, a practical so people kind of walk away and feel like, okay, I've got a starting place. So, okay, let's put ourselves in the mind of someone who's like, you know, they're smart. They've got yep. some awesome ideas. They've maybe been sharing a bit of other people's stuff, but they're finding it really hard to like start posting on LinkedIn. Like heaps of people don't post on LinkedIn. It's only like 5% of people. So Mm -hmm. they're not putting things out there. They're like, I want to write a book at some point. I want to do these things. Where do they start? What would be your advice to them? So the first step is consistency. You've got to make a commitment. Like you said, you started doing this LinkedIn live as a precursor to the book. If you don't have a forcing mechanism to get you to start writing or producing content, it will often be a someday maybe. You don't have to have your your beat or your focus of thought leadership set initially. You can work your way into it. The second is start thinking about who your audience is. Who do you want to reach? It can feel daunting to try and reach everyone possibly on LinkedIn. 
that's a massive number of people. And so something like LinkedIn, I think about as a great tool for narrow casting. Most of our clients, as well as when I put content out on, on, the, on LinkedIn, it's only going to be relevant to one-tenth or one-one-hundredth of a percent of the people that might see it. And that's okay. My goal when I put a piece of content out there is to make it feel, for someone who's in my target audience, like I'm in the room talking to them personally. Yeah. And when you narrow cast thought leadership, it becomes a lot easier. You can even sit down to write or shoot a quick video with them in mind. And so if you can make your target audience real, then it becomes easier to produce content. So consistency, narrow cast to your target audience, and then follow what works. Do a lot of experiments and figure out what impact you're trying to reach. Don't get wrapped around the axle on numbers of views and likes, and don't try to be Brene Brown overnight because she wasn't Brene Brown overnight, right? And you think about thought leadership as a journey. Many of the ones who are very successful today are the equivalent of if you're in a band, you play a lot of, you know, locations before you get invited to play in a big stadium or arena, right? Mm -hmm. And so consistency, get it out there, build your network and repeat, repeat, repeat and invite feedback and criticism. Invite people to say where where they agree, where they disagree. The final one I'd say is on LinkedIn, grab a personal hashtag and start archiving the things that you post. Make a commitment to post once, twice, three times a week, and you'll be surprised over time how much you've created in three months or six months. I love that that piece that you said around, you know, just that last part about almost, it almost becomes like a journal in that sense, right? Like you're kind of writing those ideas over time and, and about practice really. Like, so for me, like I grew up as a violin player, right? So mm-hmm. that was just like, and I was really, I was five when I started. I was terrible. I feel really sorry for my parents having to listen to me. But, and you go to recitals, you know, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then like, yeah, I mean, I played for 10 years and I got pretty, pretty good at it. And um, I think like, that discipline of just showing up and I mean, writers talk about it all the time. You just have to show up and do the work and it might, there might be good days and bad days, but you just do the work. And I think that's a piece that I'm, I see a lot of people actually, Christine Smith, who just said consistency equals accountability. Yeah. I, so it's such a great point, Christine. And Christine on a previous live stream had mentioned, you know, like people want a lot for not very much. And I think that's also what's happening is, is it's like, I put my idea out there. Oh, it didn't get a million views straight away. Therefore it didn't work. Okay, bye. Not doing it. <laughs> <was> well, like- <laughs> and for that, find something you're passionate about that you're going to want to write or do videos or talk about again and again until you're blue in the face. Because if it's something you've only got a passing interest in, you're not going to have the stick to itness that you'll need to create real thought leadership. I'll give a quick example. So... A couple of years ago, I had a friend who had just had their book come out and they were they said, finally, I'm done with it. And they, it was myself, someone who had a book out for a couple of years and the person who just published the book and the person who had had it out for a couple of years is like, 
Ah, uh, get ready, mate. You've got another two years of this. You know, you're not done in 60, 90 days. And he's a Kiwi. So, you know, he just looked, rolled his eyes. He's like, yeah, you're not done in 60 days. You got two years that you're going to be talking about this. You got it out of your head, but keep talking. And I think that's the thing that drives thought leadership. You've got to wake up with the passion and be willing to talk about it again and again, because you deeply care about it. Mm, great point. Great point. I think that's actually, it's a good point to end on. Like I say this to people as well. I'm like, if you're not passionate and and from a personal branding perspective as well, I, I actually think that part is similar. I'm like, if you're not doing something you're passionate about and you care about and that you can wake up and get excited about, like do something else because it's like you can't sustain it and you're just going to end up being like, wait, why am I doing doing this right if you don't have passion you're less likely to do it and if you do do it you're probably adding to the noise rather than the signal yeah yeah well said bill this has been such an insightful chat i mean we this is fun it's a lot of fun right and it's good to have people people chatting if people want to you're you're you do a podcast as well so tell us a bit about that uh, and how people can find out more Yes. So I do a podcast for people who are interested in the practice of thought leadership. So it's a coffee shop conversation where I get people from either organizations, they're doing thought leadership on behalf of their organization, or individuals who are doing thought leadership. And it's a biweekly podcast. The title of it is called Leveraging Thought Leadership. And you can find it through my LinkedIn, which will be in the comments below, I'm assuming, as well as then um, wherever you find your podcast. Title again, Leveraging Thought Leadership. Awesome. Bill, thanks so much for the chat. It was a lot of fun. Thank you, Lauren. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Okay, guys, so that's it from me for today. Have a lovely Christmas. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay happy. Do what you need to do to look after yourself. Cut yourself some slack. Don't be too hard on yourself. And if you want to try something new, this is a great time to do it. So I know for some people it might be like, oh, man, I'm so bored. I want something to do. What can I do that's going to be positive? Check out that book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's amazing. Uh, I literally just popped it on an audiobook and I just go for a walk and listen to it. And it's like one of my favorite parts of my day. So uh, check that out. If you've got the other extreme where you've been feeling really overwhelmed and you were looking forward to a holiday or a break that now you can't have, uh, you know, like as in a vacation, use this time to to do this at home. You know, make sure that you give yourself that downtime and don't be too hard on yourself if you're not productive. Uh, I'm definitely planning to have some chest days. And actually I've got to say that after watching the Queen's Gambit, which, oh my God, I love that show so much. Um, uh, just amazing, amazing show um, or mini series, I guess it's called. I like, I've been playing chess for a few years, like, you know, pretty steadily. And now I'm just like, oh man, I feel like this is going to become a full-time like <laughs> obsession. <laughs> But anyway, uh, I'll try not to do that. I'll try to be a a bit productive whilst also taking a break. Have uh, an amazing Christmas. Have an amazing New Year. I'll be back in a week just before we head into 2021 with another interview for you to listen to. Uh, Until next time, remember that sharing your talents with the world will make it a better place.
Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a stuntman to do their home renovations. Just finished a new sunroom, Mrs. C. The best part is I used candy glass for all the windows, so you can do this. And this. Doesn't hurt a bit either. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. And if you don't want to take the long way to the kitchen, the walls are breakaway too. See? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today.